Good evening, ladies. So good to see all your beautiful faces tonight. Thank you for coming out to Bible study. Just want to welcome everyone in as you're settling in and saying hi to everyone around you. Hey! Um, just want to go through a couple of quick announcements. Every week we take an offering, and um, the offering really is just to support women's Bible study. So there's no charge to come to women's Bible study. We don't charge for the books and things like that. It's if it's on your heart, you want to give. It helps us with child care. It helps us with tech support. Um, it takes me out to lunch. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, we're going to get started. And uh, we're in the book of Jonah for those who this may be your first time. And we have been having a really good time in the book of Jonah. Is anyone learning anything about, new about Jonah so far, right? Coley has been doing such a great job breaking it all down for us. So today, we're going to talk about Jonah too. Um, and before we dive in, I want to share a quick story. Um, there was a religious woman who had a lot of traveling to do for business. And flying made her super, super nervous. So she would always take her Bible along with her. One time when she was sitting on the plane, there was a man who was sitting next to her. When he saw her pull out her Bible, he gave a little chuckle and a smirk. And he just went back doing whatever he was doing. After some time, he turned to the lady and he asked her, you don't really believe all that that's in that book, do you? And the woman replied, of course I do. It's the Bible. He said, well, what about that guy that got swallowed by the whale? She replied, oh, Jonah? Yes, yes, I believe that. It's in the Bible. He said, well, how do you suppose he survived all that time in the gut of a whale? The woman thought about it for a little bit, and she said, well, I really don't know. I guess when I get to heaven, I'll have to ask him. And the man said sarcastically, what if he's not in heaven? And she said, well, you'll have to ask him. <laughs> so I thought I'd start us off with a little humor. <laughs> So as we go into chapter two today, I want to do just a really simple and quick recap. Jonah is a prophet of God, and he was given a message to deliver to the people of Nineveh. But instead of delivering the message, Jonah decided to run away from what God had called him to do, and he actually went in the opposite direction. And as he tried to flee, he was, he was thrown overboard of a ship, and swallowed by a large fish. In one commentary that I was reading through, this is how they describe Jonah. <laughs> Jonah is one of the most prejudiced, bigoted, openly rebellious, and spiritually insensitive prophets in scripture. Other prophets ran to the Lord, he ran from him. Other prophets declared the promises of God with fervor and zeal, but not Jonah. He was about as motivated as a 600-pound grizzly in mid-January. 
ouch. I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to describe me that way. <laughs> um, but even as I read this, and I've been following along with you guys about Jonah, one thing that I thought about was the fact that what matters most is not how other people see you, or even all the missteps we may have had. What really matters most is who your God is. Because even though this book is about Jonah, all of the Bible is always about God. It's God's story, and this is just a page in God's story about Jonah. Jonah doesn't have a story apart from God, and neither do we. So even when we run away, disobey, and sin, our sovereign God is merciful. He's compassionate, and he lovingly pursues us. In a book I've been reading about prayer, the author shares three tips to prayer. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. So as we read through chapter two, which is a look at Jonah's prayer, we'll review it with these three tips in mind, and we'll talk about how we can model these three approaches in our own prayer life. But before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this opportunity to gather in this space and worship and give honor and glory to the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings. We are so grateful to be a part of your family. And I pray, Lord God, that as we gather to hear what you want to speak to our hearts tonight, will we be alert and attentive? Would our hearts be softened? Will we be encouraged by what is shared? And will we be stirred to get closer and know you more? Thank you for your faithfulness to us. We give you this evening. I give you my vessel, Father. Use it as you see fit. As I open my mouth, would you be the one that fills it? And would your word, Father, not return void? We give you praise, glory, and honor tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we start off chapter 2 with Jonah in the belly of the whale, or the belly of the great fish, can you just imagine it? I can imagine that it is not like a good place to be, dark, smelly, yucky, slimy, and probably really, really hot. Jonah wanted to escape and get away, but I don't think this is what he actually had in mind. And for what we learned about Jonah, I could just imagine that he's sitting in the gut of this whale, sulking. He's probably even thinking to himself, I hope this finally just puts me out of my misery. But, so, but a real key part to this whole story is God sent the fish. This is no ordinary fish. This fish is on assignment by God. And it made me think about how all creation obeys God. But we, the ones made in his image, the ones who he's chosen as his children, we often choose not to. But there in the belly of the fish, 
Jonah begins to pray. So let's start off in verse 2, and we're going to read through Jonah's whole prayer. Jonah prays, in trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. He answered me. From the belly of the grave, I cried, help. You heard my cry. You threw me ocean's depth into a watery grave with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Oceans gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held me tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed. At the bottom of the sea, where the mountains take root, I was as far down as a body can go. And the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from the grave alive. Oh God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God, and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, god frauds, walk away from their only one true love. But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to God. Then God spoke to the fish, and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Wow, that's a, that's a little bit different than how we've seen Jonah so far, right? That prayer really struck at the heart of it. So when Jonah finds himself at the lowest of lows, he remembers God and he prays. When you're at the end of your rope, what do you do? I see prayer kind of as a knot at the end of that rope that allows us to hold on. Our prayers shouldn't be convoluted. They should be simple. So the first tip we'll look at when it's time for us to pray is exactly that. Keep it simple. In verse 2, Jonah says, In trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. He answered me. From the belly of the grave I cried, help, you heard my cry. I don't think you can get more simple than help, I'm in trouble. That's a prayer all of us can pray. <laughs> Jonah admits right off the bat that he's crying out to the Lord because he's in trouble and he needs help. Let me ask you, when you're in trouble, who do you cry to? There's no shame in Jonah's game. He is not pretending that he can help himself or that, or that he's not allowing guilt to keep him from the one who has already rescued and sent that great fish to scoop him up. This is such an important lesson for us because sometimes when we know that the trouble that we're facing is due to our own doing, we might shy away from God. We might fear judgment or rebuke or that God would just turn his back on us. But that's not our God. Thinking, you know, I'm thinking that maybe I should have done this. I knew God said to do this and I did that. 
we might run away and let that shame and guilt keep us from him. But please, don't run from God, run to him. Set aside any pride and run, don't walk, to God. God's word tells us he's waiting for us to come to him and to hear our prayers. Here are some, ch- some scriptures that speak exactly to that. Isaiah 65, 24 says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Psalms 50, 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. And Hosea 5, 15 says, for as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. God is expecting us to come to him in times of trouble. He's our father, and he's waiting for us. So even though most of the trouble in our lives we very well may bring upon ourselves due to sin or disobedience, if we simply cry out, help, God will hear us. We serve a gracious, generous, loving, and merciful God who doesn't deal with us according to our iniquities. That means when we want to do our own thing our own way. Jesus is not a God of karma. He is the God of grace and mercy. Psalms 103, 13 through 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. This scripture always makes me chuckle a little bit because he knows where we come from. We come from the dust. (laughs) So he's not expecting all this. He knows exactly who we are. And he has compassion on us. He has compassion towards us. It's simply when we reverently and humbly come before him, and pray. The second tip I want us to look at tonight is keeping it real. When you pray, keep it real. Tell God the truth. I always tell people, you don't have to tell me the truth, but tell God the truth. In verse 3, Jonah prays, you threw me into the ocean's depths into a watery grave with ocean waves and ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. The ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held me tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed. As I read this, it just sounded like a pity party, like an accusation to God. You threw me in the ocean. I've just been thrown away. I can just hear him like, you don't even care about me. Um, the ocean's trying to kill me, God. It's gripping my head and my neck, and you know, you're not even paying attention. He is lament- he's lamenting his plight. He is telling God how he feels. He's not sugarcoating it or even trying to justify where he's at. He's being honest. When you're in a hard place, are you honest with God? Do you tell him exactly what you feel? Psalms 55:17 says, "Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and a moan, and he hears my voice." 
I utter my complaint. Did you know you can complain to God? Complain to God, don't complain about God. There is a difference. God can take our honest prayers. He knows how we really feel anyway, so we're not hiding anything from him when we're honest. We're actually demonstrating how much we trust him. And that trust and truth that we exhibit allows him to cleanse us and to draw us close to him. I love this passage um, that Jesus shares in Luke 18, 10 to 14. Jesus shares this as an example. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, you know, those robbers and crooks and adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this tax man over here. I fast twice a week, I tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not even daring to look up, said, God, give mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented that the tax man, not the other, went home made right with God. What's the point of even praying if we're not going to be honest? We don't have to pretend to be something we are not with God. The tax man at that time was the most loathed person, but he is the one that went away right with God, not the Pharisee who was the religious person. In verses 6 through 7 of Jonah's prayer, Jonah prays, At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought, you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, when my life was slipping away, I remembered God, and my prayer got through to you and made it all the way to your holy temple. Will you remember God when you pray? Jonah remembered God, remembered it was God's grace and sovereign hand by which he had been saved. Even in his disobedience, the Lord continued to pursue him and offered him mercy even when he wasn't willing to share God's mercy. Not his own mercy, but it was God's mercy that he didn't want to share with the Ninevites. Jonah's own prejudice made him think the Ninevites weren't worthy of God's mercy. And now it's him. Is he now worthy of God's mercy? The truth is none of us are, not on our own, but it's by God's grace, he's the one who counts us worthy. So let's be honest. Have you ever, no show of hands, but have you ever judged how God should deal with someone else? Or judge who deserved mercy and who didn't? Maybe it's that horrible supervisor or coworker that just makes everyone's life miserable all the time. Or those people who we don't like what they do, right? We don't like how they are. I'm not proud to say it, but I've done it. I've judged others, 
and wanted to exclude certain people from God's grace and mercy. But in the depths of that fish's tummy, Jonah began to see his pride for what it was. And while in that deep and dark place, he began to honestly look at the darkness within his own heart. Jonah realized the truth was his, the, Jonah realized the truth was his plight was due to judgment and disobedience, and he turned back to the Lord. Will you risk being honest with God? Will you take your complaints to him, even if they're about him? Let's look at the third and final tip to prayer. Keep it up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. (laughs) In verse 9, Jonah says, But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to God. When it comes to prayer, are you determined? Jonah was sitting in the belly of that great fish, and he could have just sat there and sulked. He could have just been angry and mad and just, you know, this is, I don't care. But when he prayed this prayer, he saw things turn around. It probably wasn't the most ideal surrounding. I mean, I can't even imagine, like, opening your mouth inside the belly of a whale. But anyway, that's digress there. Um, but you got to do what you got to do, right? That's where he was. That's what he did. So what stands in your way to pray? Is it time? Is it discipline? What hinders you from spending time in prayer with the Lord? There's a story of a godly woman named Susanna Wesley who was the mom to 19 children, 10 of which survived. In her early life, she vowed that she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. Even amid the most complex and busy years of her life as a mother, she still scheduled two hours each day for fellowship with God and time in his word. And she adhered to that schedule faithfully. The challenge was finding a place of privacy in her house that was so filled to the overflow of children. Mother Wesley's solution to this was to bring her Bible to her favorite chair, throw her long apron up over her head, forming sort of a tent, and this became something akin to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle in the days of Moses in the Old Testament. Every person in the household from the smallest toddler to the eldest of domestic helpers knew well to respect this signal. When they saw Mother Wesley's apron up over her head, they knew that she was spending time with God. Not to be disturbed except in the most direst of emergencies. There in the privacy of her little tent under her apron, she interceded for her husband, who by the way was a hot mess, and children, and just plumb deep mysteries of God in the scriptures. 
This holy discipline equipped her with a thorough and profound knowledge of the Bible. Susanna Wesley is the mother of John Wesley, who is best known for founding the Methodist movement in the Church of England. I've always admired this story and this woman's determination. And I don't share this to make this the example that everyone needs to follow, that this is, you know, if you're not doing this, you're not spending time with God. So it's not to see, feel like a burden or, or this gleaming example, but just really to illustrate her persistence and her creativity. Because we, can make, we tend to make time for the things that are really important to us, right? And as Christ followers, we are all called to prayer, to make some space in our day, even with starting with one minute in the morning and one minute at night, it's an opportunity for us to connect with the one who loves us most. And it doesn't have to be only talking. Praying is talking, listening, crying, laughing, singing, dancing, just being, you know, silent. There's so many ways to connect and commune with God that's a form of prayer. And I just want to say, he really loves you. He wants to be with you. While Jonah was in the fish's belly, he cried out to God, repented, and vowed to do what he had promised God he would do. And God heard his prayer. Verses, verse 10 says, Then God spoke to the fish, and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Some believed it was the very shore where Jonah had first went the opposite direction. <laughs> Sometimes we are led back to that place where we first got off course. Have you ever said, God, I don't want to do that. That's too hard for me. I'm choosing to do this instead. And you go down the path that you chose to follow only to realize as you turn back to God, he takes you back to where you got off the path. That's happened to me. And look, I'm not saying that things aren't, some things are really difficult and there's a process to everything but would you at least talk to him about it? Are you willing at least to ask him to help you to follow him? Where do you need his help? Where do you need his help as you pray and in your life to keep it simple? Has life just become too busy and convoluted would you take some time to just be honest with God? Are you mad, sad, confused? Will you trust him enough to tell him what's in your heart? What do you need to keep it going? Sometimes we just want to walk away. We want to be done with it. But Jesus tells us to ask and keep on asking to knock and keep on knocking, to seek and keep on seeking. Will you tell God what you need today? To keep going, to seek his face. He loves you, and I know he will help you. Will you ask him?
Can we take a few minutes to just close our eyes and, and center ourselves, whatever is posture is comfortable for you? And while we're quiet for a few moments, would you just tell them what you need tonight? Where do you need to see him show up for you? What's that thing that only he can do or show you how to do? And if there's anything that you've been facing or dealing with where you know God has said left and I've gone right, and you want to just recommit your heart to him, would you share that with him just between you and him? And would you ask his help to follow the path that he's asking you to follow? And while every eye is closed and head bow, if you've never surrendered your life to God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. In Romans 10, 9 through 13, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you today. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive all my sins. I gratefully accept your gift of salvation that I know I could never earn on my own, but only by your grace. Thank you, Lord for loving me, saving me, and I choose to live for you from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the kingdom of God. Um, but please share it with someone. Share it with me or someone at your table or someone you trust. Um, we want to celebrate with you today. So before we go, I just want to close in prayer overall. Father God, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for helping us to connect with you, to follow you. Thank you for helping us to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it going. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.